It is wonderful to see so many of you here. And it reminds me of something I said several years ago when I was speaking at a Mogbeat dinner. And I said that I thought it was time to thank the person who was most responsible for the success of Sinai Temple, who almost never gets thanked. And that's Ayatollah Khomeini. I'm sure wherever he is, he appreciates that applause. <laughs> On a slightly more serious note, I also want to note that a little before last week, we lost our long-serving emeritus rabbi, Rabbi Tzvi Dershowitz, who also deserves an enormous amount of credit for welcoming the Persian community. We remember him and we will miss him. When I came here 26 years ago, I had no idea what a Persian Jew was. And I remember the first day that I was in my office, the very first day I was told there's a man who's come to see you. And I said, sure, so send him in. And there's an older man who came in and he said, are you the new rabbi? And I said, yes. And he said, I've come to kiss your hand. And I called my father. And I said, dad, in 40 years of being a rabbi, has anyone ever come to your office to kiss your hand? And he said, no. <laughs> and already I knew that this was something different. A week or two later, I quoted a poem in my sermon. And at the Kiddush, an old man came up to me and said, you know, I know books of poetry by heart, but nobody wants to hear them anymore. And I started to appreciate how much a community that has lost its home has lost. I didn't know because I was born in America. My parents were born in America. My grandparents, two of the four of them, were born in America. The other two came when they were children. They all had Boston accents. My grandmother was like a rabid Red Sox fan. I was very American. And now I began to learn about a different community, a community that endured tremendous trauma, that was proud and confident, but also touchy and defensive, that was extremely modern and au courant, but was also ancient and in many ways very conservative, that was Jewishly traditional, but not rigorously observant, I had a steep learning curve, which is why at the very first Persian funeral I did, I drank the rose water. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> but here are the lessons of someone 
close to you who has watched you for over a quarter century. This is a heart community. For all that you make fun of it with tarof, with exaggerations, with storytelling, the Persian community leads with the heart. You feel and you love. It's a community of extraordinary gifts. You take pride in your success and you should, and I know everyone talks about business and real estate, and that's true, but also in arts, in letters, in medicine, in law, the achievements of the Persian Jewish community are remarkable and you have made a major mark. And it's a community that has seen evil. Seen evil in a way that most Americans never have. It gives you an understanding of the world, of the dangers of the world, of the dangers to the Jewish people that is very deep. But I tell you this as your rabbi, despite your gifts, you don't always believe in yourself. There is a combination of self-assuredness on the one hand and sensitivity on the other, and that is why the community often has a distorted relationship to money. If you know your self-worth, if you really know it, then you know it isn't measured in dollars. The sages of our tradition never thought that being poor was being worthless or being rich was being worthy. But I have had members of the community in my office crying because they couldn't afford a big bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah for their children or a big wedding. And they thought their children would be devastated and they felt ashamed. And these are kind people, smart people, good people, but they have bought into this idea that your self-worth is to the right of a dollar sign. They're terrified at how they will be seen by other people in the community if they don't have the right venue or the right food or the right flowers. Now, I have nothing against Jews doing well. I actually want Jews to do very well because wealth in this world is power and Jews in a dangerous world need power. But the poets and teachers and sages and rabbis that I have quoted to you from this bima for the last quarter century, almost none of them was rich. It didn't make them less worthy. It didn't matter. So my first reminder to you is simply this. Don't be deceived and don't be led astray. Being worth less is not being worthless. Know that if tomorrow you had nothing, you would be no less precious in God's eyes and you should be no less precious in your own. If you didn't have beautiful clothes, or a big house or a nice car, you are not worth anything less as a soul, as a spark of God. I know that you know this, but it's hard to hold on to sometimes. And I want to give you this encouragement to remember it always. In our tradition, it is not having money that gives you status. It's giving money away. 
To give money away doesn't make you a sucker, it makes you a tzaddik. And the second part of this is that although there are people here today who have been extraordinarily generous in time, in money, in every way, you and I both know that this community could do much, much more. And I hope, as you realize that you have nothing to prove to anyone, that you have proved it already, that as time goes on, you will give more to the community, to the synagogue, to the institutions that maintain Jewish life in here, and of course, in Israel. The second part of this, having gone through trauma, is that because you have seen evil and experienced evil, sometimes some members of the community interpret something as evil when it's just different. I have experienced anger in the Persian community, especially in this divided country right now, biting brutal anger that is not how Jews should speak about each other or how they should speak about non-Jews that differ with them. This is the flip side of passion. Sometimes if you're passionate in love, then you turn passion the other way. But here is my second thing to tell you as your rabbi. Very few battles are won with anger. You'll feel good for a moment, and believe me, others will cheer you on, especially in our country at our time. If you get angry, you will have people patting your back. But in the long run, you will destroy the possibility of dialogue, of understanding, of compromise, and of growth. It's almost never worth it. Be gentle with each other. Try to listen. Call Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh. All of Israel is responsible for one another. Not just the Israel that agrees with me, all of Israel. The world isn't made up of us and them. There are a thousand shades, different experiences. And when you get to know people, it's never as simple as it seems on social media. And finally, as a part of that, this is Pesach. And a lot of people think, as you heard in the song, that what Moses said to Pharaoh is, let my people go, but that's wrong. Moses didn't say, let my people go, because that's a political statement. He said, let my people go that they may serve me, because that's a religious statement. Wherever you are on the political spectrum, right, left, or center, remember that God is bigger than presidents or parties or nations or this world. Don't let your Judaism be your politics alone. Don't divide up as Jews by political stances. Don't assume you can only be a good Jew if you're on this side or that side. The Torah is not Republican. It's not Democratic. The Torah is eternal. And it transcends the moment, the parties of the moment. 
We are supposed to hold our hands through the wilderness to be holy and to see it as our guide. We're all human beings. We're all cracked and flawed and broken and scared underneath. Sometimes we get angry when we shouldn't, and sometimes we confuse what we have with what we are. Sometimes we get prideful and at other times terrified. But I return to what I've seen, which is heart. This community has a tremendous and inspiring love for the land of Israel. And I want to see that same tremendous and inspiring love always expanded to all the people of Israel as well, all Jews. Even the ones who vote different or think different or whose experience has taught them another way. I know the love that coruscates, that sparkles, that shines in this community. Although I couldn't always communicate with them, I saw it in the eyes of the grandmothers who would hold my hand and just look at me, and I felt it. I saw it dancing down the aisles of a thousand weddings. I saw it in the tears at a thousand funerals. I've seen it in the way you have embraced me and shown me your heart. You weren't always happy with me. It wasn't as though everything I did met your approval, but you still embraced me. We have agreed, we have disagreed, we have laughed and cried and walked this path together. I want you to know that I won't be gone. I'll be on the East Coast for one year and I will come back periodically during that time and then I will be in LA and I will be around, God willing, as emeritus, but I know that it won't be entirely the same, not for you and not for me. There is, as you know, a Persian legend about the Sangi Sabur, the patient stone. It's a stone that absorbs the pains and sorrows of the person who confides in it, and then when it has absorbed everything it can, and it can no longer contain the pain, it bursts into pieces. We have listened to each other for a very long time. In my office, in the synagogue, at weddings, at funerals, I've heard your stories and your pain and your pride. We have held each other for a very long time. And now it's time, a little bit, to burst apart. As Mohabate Shama Sepash Gozaram. Shomara Bechoda Misparam. Thank you for your incredible kindness to me. May God bless you.